read a couple of verses um, from that passage that Daniel read. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. Last week, again, first Sunday in Advent, and we talked about kind of Advent, this celebrating the coming of Jesus. There's this historical coming. That's the baby in the manger thing. There's the future coming. That's when Jesus comes back on the horse to make everything right, comes out of heaven, all the revelation stuff. And then there's this present coming of Jesus where we can experience him today through the Bible and through his spirit. And we, we talked about the meaning of Christmas, and usually around this time there's lots of back and forth on what's the true meaning of Christmas and have we lost it and all of that jazz. And what we said was the true meaning of it is it's gift-giving. Gift-giving is at the heart of Christmas. Jesus is the first Christmas present. God gave the first gift, and it was Jesus. That's John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave. And so there are a lot of things our culture might have wrong, but at least that part is right, that giving gifts is at the heart of what Christmas is about. And we expanded the definition of this gift from God and said that God's gift to us is his activity in our lives. And Jesus is the supreme demonstration or example of that, but that's what his gift to us is. It's his activity in our life. And we said everyone who's ever been born ever in the history of the world has needed to receive this gift. This is a present everybody needs to open. All 120 billion people who've ever been created or whatever it is, they, we all need to receive God's activity into our life. And we talked about our responsibility to share that with the people who are in our networks, the people in our community, the folks who we connect with and relate to. God has given this gift to us, and it's our responsibility to give it to others. Freely we've received, and so freely we need to give. And we talked about, well, how do we give this gift? Nobody wants to give a gift that someone rejects or someone doesn't want. So how do we give this gift that God has given to us in a way that makes it easier for people to accept? Ultimately, it's up to them whether they choose to accept it or reject it. That's not on us. But we want to do everything we can to make it as easy as possible for them to receive. And so we talked about the difference between giving people mustard seeds and giving people mustard trees. We said trees are, that's tough. It's tough to plant a full-grown tree. You've got to dig a big old hole and you've got to do a lot of work. There's a big commitment involved. Seeds are different. It's easy to plant seeds. You can plant a lot of them and it doesn't require a lot of anybody. And so that's what we want to do. We want to give these mustard seeds out, not full-grown trees. And we said these mustard seeds, are they're, they're just testimonies. They're stories of how God works in our life. If you've received this gift of God, if, if he's active in your life, then there should be stories that you can share with other people. And some of the stories will take root and some won't, but it won't matter because there's a lot of them and they're easy. So that's kind of what we talked about in This morning, what I really want to focus on is where do these testimonies come from? If we're supposed to be giving these mustard seeds, where do we get them? Where are we supposed to come up with this stuff that we're sharing with other people? But before I do that, I want to focus a little bit on Christmas. Will you get that stuff? I want to focus a little bit on what Christmas, I guess, the the heart behind it. I think the Christmas story is woven into the fabric of our... Did you drop? (laughs) And you sloshed. So the um, Christmas story is really woven into the fabric of our culture. I think people who've never been in a church can tell you the basic gist of the Christmas story. It's on TV, Charlie Brown's Christmas. It's everywhere. 
You see nativity, well, you used to see nativity scenes outside a lot. There's, it, it's their penny, our children's pastor. The kids are seven and eight years old, and they already know the story to the extent that she's having them teach for the next three weeks. They know it, and so she's having them teach it. It's just kind of a part of who we are, and it's not that familiarity breeds contempt, but it breeds indifference. We, just, we lose the impact of what really Christmas means and what was really behind or God's motivation for doing it, because the story is so familiar to us. Yeah, God, Jesus, baby, manger, animals, star, angels, that's it. When's New Year's? And that's kind of the, we can just move through it, and we lose the impact of the message. And I don't know of any other major world religion that teaches that their God became a person. That's not what gods do. They say, I'm up here, and if you want to relate to me, here are the rules for how you do that. They don't become people. I don't know any other major world religion that teaches what we talk about at Christmas, the incarnation, God becoming a person. And that's hard to get. And this might be corny. I told the guys at nine that's never stopped me before, so I'm just going to plow ahead. So let's say this fish, y'all see that fish in there? There's a fish. And let's say that fish is us. So that fish is humanity, and I'm going to be God. So I'm, as God, I've created humanity, I've given you a world, you have this bowl that you live in, I've given you water, I told them, you know, we haven't fed you yet, but we will feed you before, you know, when you need it, and so we've provided an environment for you to live in, and it's safe, and it's good, and I'm doing that as an expression of love for you, I didn't have to do any of that, I could have just left you, but I didn't, we, we have this place, and my desire for you, I want to relate to you, I want you to know that I Love you. And so again, if, like, if it's me and this, this fish, and I'm trying to figure out how do I communicate to this fish that I love it and that I want a relationship with it. You know, I can, you know, I can tell it, but it's probably not going to understand me. I can, I can put signs in the aquarium, but he's probably not going to be able to read them. I can try to look him in the eye and tell him, but again, he's probably not going to get it. He keeps swimming away from me. So what can I do to communicate how I, this, my desire for a relationship with this fish. And that's similar to how things were with us and the Lord. There's a gap. There's a distance between him and us. You see that in Isaiah. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. and My ways are higher than your ways. It's like with the fish, we can't... We're two different orders of creation here. We're not brothers and we're not cousins and we're not second cousins and we're not fifth cousins. We're, we're from two different deals. We're not close to each other at all. Me and fit, we don't have very much in common with fish. They don't communicate with us. We don't communicate with them. We don't get them. They don't get us. There's a gap. There's a distance. I want to be able to bridge that distance because I want to be able to communicate that I love this fish and I want to have a relationship with this fish. And there's no, there's nothing I can do to get that fish to get it. And really the problem is with the fish is that the fish doesn't understand me. It's not so much that I don't get the fish. It's that the fish doesn't get me and the fish doesn't understand me. And so the problem is really here, and there's this gap, but the gap is really this way, and that's how it was with us and the Lord. There's this gap between God and us, and there are things that he has done, and you can read in the Old Testament, things that he did to try to communicate his care and concern and love for all people, not just for Israel, but for the world. And he had this plan laid out, and as part of this plan, he knew that the gap, it was never going to work. The gap's not going to be bridged. So what he did on Christmas is he became a fish and said, I'm going to live with you guys. And that is how I'm going to communicate. 
now I'm one of you. And so now I can speak fish and you can understand me because I'm a fish and you can see me and we swim together and whatever language fish talk, we can do that. And that's what God, that's Christmas. It's God becoming a fish in order to communicate to the rest of the fish that he loves them and desires to have a relationship with them. And if they enter into a relationship with him, they can have abundant life. And that might not seem like a big deal, but if you think about it, would you want to become a fish to try to communicate with other fish? When Jesus, as God, Jesus as God, when he's, before he was incarnated, before he took on flesh, he was omnipresent. He's everywhere. So the universe is his playground and beyond. He's everywhere all at once. When he becomes a man... He, he gives that up. He's, he lives in a body just like us. He can only be one place at one time, and the place that he chose was this kind of backwater town in the Middle East. He probably never traveled more than about 60 miles from where he was born. Some of you who love to travel, I want you to think about that. Would you give up all of the ability? That's like not even getting to Macon from here. Would you give up all of that to do this? to move into this bowl, to communicate to this fish. There's no more traveling around the world. There's, there's no more traveling down to Florida. You're done. That's all you got. That's what Jesus did. Jesus, as God, he was omniscient. He knew everything. He knew everything past, present, future. He, not, he knew everything that there was to know. He knew real knowledge, hypothetical, all of it. If there was something that could be known, Jesus knew it. When he became a man, he gave that up. He set aside this omniscience and said, no, so he learns like us. He's got to learn stuff. He doesn't just know stuff. He can forget stuff. There's things that he doesn't know. His capacity to know is not infinite. It's not exhaustive. He gave up all of that to become one of us for you. They say, I don't know how they know this, they say goldfish have, an atten- have a memory of two seconds. Sometimes that would be good and sometimes that would be bad. Would you be willing to give up your mental capacities to become a goldfish who's only going to remember the previous two seconds. On the plus side, it would keep you from getting bored swimming back and forth across in the same tank. But that's all you get. You don't remember anything else. Goldfish, not, I don't think there's been any significant discoveries from goldfish. They don't, they don't do anything. They don't think. Jesus did that. As God, Jesus was omnipotent. Nothing stood in his way. The things that he set out to do, he was going to accomplish. If he wanted to go right, nobody could make him go left. He gave that up when he became a man to the point that you know, he was subject to weakness just like we are, hunger, he got tired, he, allowed, he was arrested, he was beaten, he was killed. They killed the source of life, which doesn't even make sense. We don't have time to talk about that. Same with us. If we wanted to become a fish, think of all the things you would have to give up, all of the things in your life, the purpose in your life, the things that you have accomplished, the things that you will accomplish, the fact that you can actually, that you have arms. All of these things that you can do, they're done if you're going to become a fish. Jesus as God, perfect relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. They live in the Trinity, this community of perfect love. And he gives that up for a time and comes to earth to live with sinful, fearful, prideful people like us. One of his 12 closest friends betrays him. Would you be willing to give up your wife, your kids, your mom, your dad, your best friend to become a fish? in order to tell fish that there's a chance for them to live forever in this relationship with God. That's what Christmas is. It's a big deal. It's not just 
sweet and Jesus in a manger and all of that. It's God limiting, just going into that. You becoming a fish is easier than God becoming a man. You've got to give up less. I've got to give up less to do that than he had to give up to become one of us. And he did it willingly. Nobody held a gun to his head. Nobody forced him. He made a choice and said, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. That's what it takes to communicate who we are, who God is to these people. That's what it takes in order to create a doorway for people to enter into a relationship. I'm going to do that. That's how much he loves. We're going to come back to that. So, how do we create, where do these testimonies, these seeds, these mustard seeds come from? Um, To me, Jesus is the most influential person who's ever lived. No one's had a greater impact on more people than Jesus. If you pull him out of history, nothing looks the same. He's impacted not just people's personal life, not just that he's created this church, which is billions of people that's had massive impact in every area of life. He's done that. He's touched education. He's touched health care, people's understanding of how you treat the poor, war, everything. Jesus has touched it. He's, to me, the single most influential person ever to walk the face of the earth. And I think anyone who doesn't have an extra grind would say, yeah, there's no question about that. So I was thinking about people, and you can categorize people based on how much they allow this guy to influence them. How much are we influenced by this Jesus, by this guy who's the most, again, influential people, influential person in the history of the earth. And I think there's several different categories. Some people are not influenced at all. Either they don't know who Jesus is, they've never heard the gospel, or they've just they've lived their lives in such a way that he doesn't have any impact on the way they live. Some of them would say they're Christians, but Jesus doesn't have any impact on their daily life. And then there are other folks who I think are influenced by Jesus, and I think that's where most of us fall. We're, we're influenced by him. Some of you maybe remember the game Trivia Pursuit. It's Trivial Pursuit. It's kind of an older game. But this is the game piece from Trivial Pursuit. And so let's say our life is the, the orange deal, the pie tin or whatever. And then you've got these different components of your life. Like we could say the blue is our relationships and the brown is our personal character and conduct and the green is our eternal destination and the pink is uh, how we work, kind of our public life, and the orange is how we spend our stuff, how we spend our time, how we spend our money, how we use our gifts, all that type of deal. The yellow is our purpose. And so you've got these segments in your life. And I think Jesus, again, I think most people would say, most people in this room, we would say, yeah, Jesus influences me. But I think even with that, there are different, there's kind of a scale. And some people are slightly influenced by Jesus. Maybe he has influence in one or two of those pie pieces. And usually the one that we give him is the eternal life one. We don't want to go to hell, so we give him influence on that segment of our life. It doesn't necessarily translate into anything else, but we've prayed this prayer and we've given our lives to the Lord and he's punched our ticket and so we're good. And maybe we try to cuss a little less just to confirm that we are in fact going to heaven. But that's really about it. He doesn't have influence in all of our life. He's just slight. Influence, And that might be you, you might be someone who's moderately influenced by Jesus. Maybe you've given him three or four. And this has, I'm not talking about sincerity. You can be sincere in whatever you give, but maybe you've given him three or four slices of your life. And maybe you've given him the eternal destination one, and maybe you've given him the relationships. Maybe there are a couple other areas of your life 
where you've said, Jesus, I'm going to give you influence here. And again, it could be significant uh, levels of influence, and it can be very sincere. It's just not total. There's half your life, two-thirds of your life, three-fourths of your life where you've said, yes, I'm trying to follow Jesus. I'm trying to, listen, I'm trying to put his teachings into practice, the whole deal. And that would probably be a lot of us. And those are just solid, we call them solid Christians. And there's some people who are heavily influenced by Jesus. They've given them all six areas. And maybe they're just slivers of one of those areas that they're not. You know, I've forgiven, I usually practice forgiveness. There's just this one person that hangs me up or something like that. So, or maybe it's everything. Maybe every area, every one of the pie pieces, you've given Jesus influence. You're heavily influenced by Jesus in every area of your life. You're saying, okay, tell me, give me input. Tell me what's happening. Tell me what I need to do. You know the Bible, all that stuff. We would call those people strong Christians, and those are people that we look up to and say, they've got it together. They know what they're doing. What I would say is, none of that is enough. Even if you're heavily influenced by the Lord, if you've given him every pie piece you've got, that's not what he's about at all. You're still just being influenced by Jesus. There's a third category of person. The first are people who are not influenced. The second are people who are. And the third are people who are led by Jesus. And there's a huge difference between being influenced and being led. I can, if, if you have influence in my life, I still get to say no. If you're leading me, I don't. There's a huge difference between those two. It's the difference between saying, I'm going to give you all the pie pieces and you can have influence and I'm going to give you the whole pie. And I'm, I don't get to say no anymore. It's not the same thing. To be led is a huge step. Those verses we read, Jesus comes as a shepherd. We're the sheep. Sheep don't, sheep follow. That's what they do. And if they don't, they're being disobedient and rebellious. We want influence. Jesus, you can influence me. Give me your input. Give me some counsel. Give me some guidance. I want to hear what you have to say. As long as in my back pocket I have a trump card and I can say no. I want to reserve the right to say no. And he doesn't give us that right. We said last week that most the people in the first century missed Jesus. They were looking for a king and they got a baby. We miss him because we're fine with a baby and we get a king. And that's not what we want. We don't live there. We live in a place where we've got rights and we've got we, we shape things and we mold things, and if things aren't going the way we want, we change it. That's, and it's wonderful. That's where we live. We shape. We're shapers of things. We don't just receive what comes to us. We don't know what it's like to live under a kingship. We don't do that. But that's what Jesus, that's who Jesus is. He's a king. He didn't come to give advice. He came to lead. And he's looking for people to follow. It's a big difference between being influenced and being led. Even if he's got influence in every area of your life, it's still not what he's looking for. What he's looking for is people who will follow him. And that's completely different. You don't get to say, never mind, I'm not going to do that. You give up that right when you choose to follow. Now, you can choose not to follow, but it's being dis disobedient. It's different with influence. It's like I'm taking input from people. I'm gathering facts. I'm getting information, and I'm going to figure out what the best thing to do is. We don't do that with the Lord. He doesn't give advice. He doesn't give counsel. He gives directions. And he expects people to follow him. And I think for a lot of us, it's a 
maybe for all of us, it gets down to a trust issue. We want to be able to say no. We want to be able to play this card that says, I'm not going to do that. We're afraid to follow completely because we want to be able, we're not sure where he's going to take us. And it's a trust issue. And I think that gets back to this Christmas deal. If we can get Christmas, if we can get what that meant for him to become a fish and give up everything he gave up in order to become one of us because he loved, if we can get that, it's a lot easier to trust him. It's a lot easier to trust somebody who's gone through that for you than just some dude that showed up in a manger 2,000 years ago as a baby and doesn't have any impact in your life. It's a lot easier to trust someone who said, this is what I've done to close the gap. Now, will you follow me? This is, I've proven to you that I love you. I've proven to you that I'm willing to go to extremes in order to make this relationship possible. Now, will you follow me? That's a hard question for a lot of us to say yes to. It's easy to be influenced. It's difficult to be led. The biggest difference, as long as you, he's just influenced, there is one advantage to being influenced, is you still get to make your own decisions. That's the, bon- that's the benefit of saying, I'm just going to allow Jesus to influence me. Because you'll always be in charge. You'll always get to make your own decisions. There's a lot of downside, but that's the, that's the plus side. And when you're led, you give that up. You don't get to make your own decisions anymore. You get to say yes to what he's saying. He's not that you're a mindless robot. He's not pulling strings. And you're, it's none of that. But at the end of the day, you recognize who's calling the shots, and it's not you. And so my question to you this morning is, are you being influenced, or are you being led? It's a big step. Some of you, you've given him one piece, and you can't go all the way today, and that's okay. Give him another piece. Just recognize what the end is, but just give him another piece. For some of you, you've given him three or four, and it's, you need to give him another one. You know there's this area of your life where he doesn't have any access, and you need to open that door to him this morning. For some of you, you're heavily influenced by the Lord, and it's time for you to take the next step and to allow him to lead you, to allow him to shepherd you, and to stop. You've got to let go, and you've got to trust him enough to lead you in whatever direction that is. Let's pray. You guys can come back up. I'm going to lead us in a little prayer time here in